Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insight into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, hello everyone. This is Leif and today's topic, we're going to have a conversation about life on mission. And I thought about taking us all the way back into the beginning, before there was anything. And the Bible starts with Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. And the word for God there is the word Elohim. In the beginning, it's actually, and it's a plural word. In the beginning, there is a family. There's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They had this brilliant idea. Let us, Father, Son, Spirit, make man in our image. Let's create on earth what we have in heaven. That is the first mission of uh, the divine family. It is to create a place among this vast universe, a place on earth that look like heaven. And this is important just as a foundation, even before we wake up and saying, thank God it is Monday when the alarm clock goes up. How is that connected to God's big mission? What God is doing and what is God's plan and God's purpose and everything else. So we don't ask him to join what we are doing. We get to do what he is blessing. So anyway, so we're going back to that. And then the original idea of God, when eventually after six and a half days of creation, he came to the highlight. First, he created Adam. Later on, he created Eve and he brought them together. And he said that from that moment, the father blessed them to be and to be fruitful, to multiply, take dominion, starting their mission. And eventually what they were supposed to do is to rule and reign together with him. And yes, we know sin came in and sin impacted not just the planet, but it impacted the universe that separate them from love, separated from this perfect place. And from that very moment on, when God says, Adam, Adam, where are you? You're again seeing a God that is on mission. <laughs> you see life on mission. He's already looking for Adam and he starts his purpose and he starts with his plan. And I was just even reflecting, I was looking here at the scripture, even there later on when he came to a father of a nation like Abraham and says, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you you and make your name great so that you shall be a blessing and you and all the family on the earth is going to be blessed. So and here we are several thousand years before Jesus. There's actually promise of this God of mission finds a father that he makes a promise that eventually as a result of the covenant of this family, I'm going to bless all the families on the earth through you. And we can see this pattern as we're following all the way through the Old Testament and eventually you're coming into the New Testament after 400 years of silence. And the God, the Father certainly is talking to the Son and Son talking to the Father and the Spirit. They have this conversation. The Son leaves the Father. The Father loves the Son. Son loves the Spirit. Spirit loves the Son. Son loves the Father. But I want you to see that a God loved this world so much. John 3.60. We know this verse, but I want you to see how it fits into the big picture. A God that loves this world so much that he would give his only begotten son. He wanted to fulfill his mission. He did not want anyone to perish, but at all was going to receive everlasting life. So you see John 3, 16 and John 
3.17. The whole thing with Jesus then when he came and he became like us so that we could become like him. He came and he became sin so that we could become righteous. He took our shame so that we could be glorified. He took our sickness and disease by his strength. Why is Jesus doing all of those things? And the ultimate expression of love on the cross when he died and he said, it is finished. I have paid for it. What he did eventually right now, he is actually restoring us back again to the original mission. These disciples who have been with him for about three years. By the time resurrection comes and Jesus shows up and you are in John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20, when Jesus comes into this room, this is now after the resurrection. Because now he had conquered the enemy, he has conquered sin, he has conquered all. But now he wants actually to send you and I, the family, the family on mission. It is back again on track. And again, there's a relaunch of that that you see already at this moment that starts. And then eventually, as Jesus just came into that room, they were in that upper room and he filled it with his presence. And he said, peace be with you. And we know the story. He showed them his hands and his side and he gave them the provision. And the Bible says they became glad. They got a new passion. And then from this very moment on, they got another peace. And then he said, now, as the Father sent me, I also send you. Why is this very important? Because it is not just about what God's mission is. It was not just what even Jesus' mission was. But eventually, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit with a very purpose that you're going to represent me now. The same way as I represented the Father, you are going to be my representative with the very purpose of the world to know how good Papa God is and how loved they are. And you are going to be coming in with a ministry of reconciliation that represents God before people and people before God. That's in John 20, verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, they will be retained. I was just reflecting over, I've had the honor of being in a lot of funerals. I was at Papa Jack's funeral. And I had the honor of being with him in his hospital room right before he died. One of the things I've learned about people right before they die, if they have an opportunity to share something, it's important for us to take notice of what they are sharing. Jesus, in the end of his journey, when he knew that he was about to leave this earth and he was finished his mission. In John 17, 4, he said, Father, Father, I have glorified you here on earth and I finish everything you called me to do. That's my life verse. To live and love in such a way that I bring glory to my Father, but also finish everything that he called me to do. Not what he didn't call me to do, not what everybody else called me to do, but everything that God had intended for my life, because living my life with purpose, with passion, is all connected to a life on mission, to be on a mission with God. Anyway, so Jesus then, when you're coming into what we call the Great Commission, and it is not the Great Suggestion, it is a Great Commission, when he says, all authority has been given to me, and as a result of that, you go and you disciple nation as you baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And then out of that, you teach them all the things that I've commanded you. And then, lo, I will bid you, or surely I'm going to be with you all the way to the ends of the earth. So these are some of the last words of Jesus, the disciple, when they also got the instruction to wait in the upper room and don't go around on this mission until you receive power from the Most High. Because the Holy Spirit, He's going to 
to come upon you so that you, you can be a witness. Starting in your Jerusalem, Acts 1.8, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the uttermost part of the world. So here we have just as a simple framework, biblically speaking, there's a God that loved this world so much that he would give his only begotten son. There's a father and his father is on mission. He sent a son. Then the son is on mission. He sent the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is on mission and he's sending you and I to be filled with the same Holy Spirit that he had. So here's a couple of different myths that I just wanted to help to answer people because I came from a culture or a background where pastors, missionaries and evangelists, there's a certain group of people, wow, that's their mission. They have a mission and they are on mission with God. But then there is everybody else that is just ordinary people, believers that wake up in the morning. I call it the 9-5 window, which is probably one of the most unreached people group in the world. And what I mean by that is from 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock, on a daily basis for about 40 hours a week, you have tens of millions of believers to wake in the morning and they do not realize they are on mission. They do not know they are there to represent the king. They do not get prepared on Sunday with a purpose to say, thank God it is Monday when I wake up in the morning. Thank God that the Holy Spirit has been given to me. So I have the power that is needed for whatever I'm going to face this day at work to be able to represent the God that looks like Jesus. And I know some of you say, well, I'm a car mechanic. Okay, are you an anointed car mechanic? How does this look like? Are you one of the best car mechanics because you do everything as unto the Lord? You're a spirit-filled car mechanic. You do things in an honest way. You do things as unto the Lord. You're doing things with humility. Do you represent the fruit of this? spirit when you are working on somebody else's car? Are you blessing that car before it is finished? And if that's the owner of the company or whoever you are working for, do they look good because you came on board? That shows eventually that you know that you are on a mission. And those 40 hours, how do you represent him well? Because you are an ambassador of love where he has placed you. If you're a nurse and you're going to work, it doesn't matter which shift that you have and you're in the healing ministry and he maybe uses medicine the way you serve, but he also uses your attitude. And then suddenly the love, joy, peace, patience that is different. And I've had some of those nurses and it's a very different that is called when they're coming in and I came out of surgery there's somebody they were called to be there. They're almost like an angel that gets to represent heaven when you're coming out of that. And there are so many different people that will have an encounter with a God that looks like Jesus because there's nurses that are waking up and they suddenly realizing, no, I am a person. I am a son and I'm a daughter and I have a life that is on mission with God. My purpose, nursing is maybe my tool, but I am a life on mission. I'm a person, a son and daughter to get to represent him 40 hours a week. And when we all get together on Sunday, we're celebrating what Jesus has done throughout the whole week because we have lived and loved like Jesus in such a way that we're making hard for people to go to hell and easy for people to go to heaven. If you're a business owner, the way you run your business is going to be very, very differently. The way you treat your employees is very, very differently. The way you do generosity is very, very differently because you read realizing it is not your business, it is his business, and it is a kingdom business, and everything that you have came from him. And what you do is you want to bring glory to him, and you want to finish everything that he called you to do. And that business, when that is in the community, when people are showing up there, you may be the pastor in the marketplace, and the way you are taking care of the employees, but every customer that you are in contact with, 
I'll give you a practical example that I think there was just a paradigm shift of one of my friends. Years ago, I lived in Alabama and I used to take my car in for car wash when I was not traveling. And this one person who was working there, every time he came, he said, Pastor, Pastor, so good to see you. And I want you to know that I have a calling and I'm going to go to Rema and eventually I'm going to get my degree and I'm going to be, I'm going to be a pastor because I know I have all the prophetic words that I'm going to be a pastor one day. And he used to tell me this so many times and it's almost like he was just counting the days because he was running this car washing business. And one day when I was coming in, I just felt this grieving in the Holy Spirit. And I was wondering what I was feeling. And again, I saw my friend who owns this place. And he came up to me, Pastor, I want you to know that I'm getting very, very close. I think by the end of the year, I'm going to be able to sell this business. I'm going to move to Tulsa. I'm going to go to Reba and I'm going to Bible school so I can become a pastor and pastoring a church. And I said, I stopped for a moment. I said, I, I want you to know that you already are a pastor. And he looked at me strange. No, no, no. I, I'm, no, you are a pastor. I have watched you. And I've watched how you take care of your employees. And I watched the way you're taking care of us. You are influencing four to 500 different people that are coming through here every week. Each one of us, we're getting to experiencing his presence because that you are here. But somehow you didn't realize that this is your calling. You didn't realize because you thought as a pastor when God spoken that it was going to be pastor in a church. But you will have less than 10% the influence if you pastor a church than if you have when you're pastoring the marketplace and you do no longer have to live in guilt because that you're being blessed because that's what God has given you. He has given you an entrepreneurship and you have a calling to be a marketplace pastor and you, your ministry starts on Monday through Saturday. That is your ministry. And you do not need to go to school to find a way how you can minister on a Sunday when you have a mission feel that you have six days a week. He got teared up. He got touched. I had another person I met in Europe who had a factory, who had always had a call to be in mission. And he had a call to go to the nation, but he had his regret in his life because he has built up a very successful business. But he came and he confessed that to me one day. And I just felt that the Lord was so well pleased with him because he didn't realize that he literally had hundreds of missionaries that was on those mission fields that he supported. He was behind and he didn't realize that while he had those people there, he was there. But because nobody told him that he was living a life on mission, he went around with guilt and shame and the enemy was trying to blackmail him for something that he was not instead of who he was. And part of my purpose of this is that there's people that is out there. You've been with me. You have supported us. You are living a life on mission. My heart with this is that all of us is going to live a great commission lifestyle with a great commandment heart. What do I mean by that? That is, you and I, we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul and all of our mind. And we're going to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We're going to be in an alignment with the great commandment. That's our heart. But then the great commission as we go and we start now to disciple nations. How do we do that? that you show up in the classroom as a school teacher and with all of those elementary school students or those junior high students. It doesn't matter if this is a public school system and you're limited to all of the things you cannot do. You're even tapping into the wisdom of God and you know how to do covert revival. You know how to bring wisdom in here and you are prophesying over the people. You're speaking identity into those students and you can do it in such a way where people, they will know who they are. And as a result of that, they will also experience 
facing such a climate change because when you're showing up in that classroom, you're becoming a thermostat. You set it there and your student will have such a spirit of excellence, just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they, they had a different type of spirit when they showed up and they changed the environment. And this is what I believe that God is raising up. So many school teachers, professors in the university, even right now we need people in AI in artificial intelligence. And there's artificial natural intelligence. And then there's artificial supernatural intelligence. We're hearing these words that is going on all over. But in the middle of it, there is people now. Why don't we have as part of our Sunday school program or youth program? Why don't we have people that is going to learning how to disciple those groups of people? And we kind of lost it in Hollywood where there was believers that thought, no, it's secular for us to go to Hollywood, but had gifts of creativity that God had given them to make wholesome movies. But we thought that was secular instead of everything is sacred when you are in the spirit. Everything is kingdom when you're operating in the spirit, when you're realizing that you have a life on mission, because when you show up, Jesus shows up and you have a life on mission and that you will influence as a producer, as a writer, as an actor, you were being involved in making some difference. And you say, well, this is maybe a secular movie or this is something like that. Well, it is no longer when you are coming on board. Everything is changing because you are a spiritual person, a spiritual being that gets actually to represent the God that looks like Jesus. And then there's going to be needs there. And then you're healing the sick and solving problems. So you suddenly have their lunch with somebody that nobody would have lunch with. And the ones that has an attitude in the middle of it or the one that boss that is so evil, you're suddenly showing up and starts to change the environment, going after the root issue, and you're becoming an environment changer, and you're bringing glory to him. There's such a difference in people that are intentional about living a life on mission, that the Great Commission is for every single one of us as believers. There is no longer any secular or sacred in what we're doing. Everything is sacred. Everything is spiritual. When you are sons and daughters that knows that the reason Jesus didn't take you home at the moment of salvation, which would have been the best for all of us to take us to the place where there is no pain or suffering or headaches or injuries or any of those different things. The reason we are here on the planet Earth is because that you and I were living a life on mission, that we are actually going to bring glory to him while we are here. Did you know that there's going to be a time in the future where the whole earth is going to be full with the glory of God as water cover the sea? Did you know there is another scripture talking about the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of glory? So one says it will be, and the other one says that it, it is full. How is that going to happen? And I know that there's some believer maybe thinks that there's just going to be this glory cloud that is going to be covering over and God is going to show up. It's going to be a sovereign. Other people is just referring to that, oh, that's going to be in the future when everything is over and etc. But could it be that creation right now is just moaning and groaning for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God, according to the book of Romans? But when the sons and daughters of glory is being revealed, when glory is being revealed in neighborhoods, glory is being revealed in our lighthouses of love, glory is being revealed to ordinary sons and daughters. Just imagine even right now that if you're part of a church of 500 people and it is Monday, it didn't matter if you're sending your kids to kindergarten, you're teaching those small little kids that you don't have a mini Holy Spirit, or if it is somebody in elementary school or high school or if you're homeschool, it doesn't matter where you're at. What would it look like for all of us to living a lifestyle on mission? 
to discover our identity out of that having intimacy then finding everything that Jesus paid for is available for us and then stepping into our destiny, the calling, the uniqueness, the purpose that he has for you, a life on mission. But for over 90% of the people that I'm talking to, if you're not the pastor, evangelist, missionary, or in a traditional role here, maybe you're just an ordinary person. And I say just ordinary in regard to you feel that, wow, you have a Monday to Friday, nine to five, a corporate insurance salesman, car salesman, anything else you do, you still have a life on mission. And you're either going to represent your king well or not well. You're either going to bring glory to him or you do not. If you do not know who you are and realizing that your purpose is not just to go and getting a paycheck and to be able to get your house and eventually get your wife and the kids and one day retire so that you can go to the beach and eventually waiting for Jesus to take you home. No, 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 no. There's more to life than that. And there's nothing wrong on fishing and golfing and everything else. But you need to know that when you are going out there golfing, you're bringing Jesus with you at the golf course. And if you are somebody, you and your friend is out there golfing, there's somebody else there that is more real than both of you because you're discovering that you are a life on mission. There is no retirement from those type of things. It is a refinement. As soon as you maybe finish one job and, and you suddenly finish well there, he just gives you another assignment. So we're going to need every single one of us know in this season to lead back into our identity and out of that discovering very very clearly our uniqueness our purpose and also learning even how to do covert revival as you're learning how to live a life on mission ah i love that i heard a story just recently george barna did his research and that 11% of the people out there, 11% of the people, if somebody just asked them to go to church with them, they would gladly come. But they don't have anyone that is excited about their church and is asking them. I don't know, maybe it is not about the church or a home group, but hopefully that you are so excited, knowing that even if there's 100 people out there, 11 of those people that is out there, they've just been waiting for you to just even to say, hey, why don't you come? Because they've been looking for a place at the family table. They've been looking for to have an encounter with a God like looks Jesus. They have not denied Jesus. They've denied often an unauthentic lifestyle where we often trying to be one thing on Sunday, but we live something differently from Monday to Friday. I have another friend that's just said, hey, I, I have a Christian mechanic and I, I, I can't go there anymore because constantly he's charging me more. He's always finding something wrong that didn't have to be wrong. And this Christian mechanic and this Christian company, it's just, it's, it's been probably the hardest experience. I had somebody else that said, well, I tried to support because my dentist is a Christian dentist. But this dentist is not the best dentist and there's all these different issues. And I'm not saying people as Christians do not have issues. But my heart is for anyone, if you're a dentist or be a radiologist, if you're a car mechanic, whatever you are, that you will do it in such an honorable way with such a spirit of excellence. And then you need to make it sure that you are representing King Jesus when you do that. So you do not just put the fish on your car or a bumper sticker there, but making sure that when somebody hung the horn at you in that car, that you do not show them a finger, but you show them love and love, joy, peace comes out of you because what's in you comes out when you get squeezed because you are abiding in him and he is abiding in you because you know who you are and you're living a life on mission. So my simplicity today with this message, my heart, for everyone as believer in the season that we're living in, 
it's less than a few percent of believers that represent him well from nine to five. Part of the reason is they didn't know that was their calling. And with that calling, if you don't know it is your calling, you don't need an anointing that doesn't rest upon your assignment. So you kind of try to get the supernatural on Sunday, and then you go back into the natural and doing the best that you can. No, we need somebody that taps into the presence, to the power, that taps into the fullness of love, power, and wisdom, so that the people out there on a daily basis, when they are around you, they get to taste and see how good he is. Simple, practical, you maybe have that new supervisor that is just not doing very, very well. This supervisor that is just constantly pushing you down. So when you then go and you're getting your lunch ready and you're gonna get you an apple for lunch, Guess what you do? You bring two apples. You are correct. Who is that other apple for? Oh, there is that supervisor. That's love in action. Now you suddenly start to think a little bit differently. How can I be a blessing to these people? How do I bless my enemy? How do I bless these people that are coming against me? The ones that dishonor me, how do I honor them? And we get to be able to use the very be attitude that Jesus describes so beautifully in Matthew chapter 5. It's a whole upside down kingdom and the way we're living and loving. And it is going to be that you become an environment changer. When I was young, I worked at UPS early in the morning and I loaded trucks. And I remember I had a couple of people that they were so nasty and so hard and used every vulgar words. Even I was newly wed and what they were going to do to my wife and they used perversion. And there was times I came home with tears in my eyes to my wife after five hours early in the morning, three to eight I came home so exhausted of all of this, but I didn't know at the time that I'm a life on mission. But I started just with a small thing that I had to God, I, I don't know what to do. I just need your grace to make it another day. And I did this for the paycheck and the insurance that I needed. But when I realized, and I don't want to mention their names right now, I started to love on them. And one of the guys came to church, gave his life to Jesus. Another one I influenced. Years later, I planted some seed. These people later on became believers. And then I wish I had the revelation I had today because you would have the potential for the whole company to be able to experience a God that looks like Jesus. So I bless you at this very moment. I just ordained you. If you are called to the 9-5 window, if you're called to be out there in an ordinary job that it looks like an ordinary job, you have an extraordinary calling and you have the Holy Spirit within you. There's maybe artificial intelligence that is against you, but I want you to know you have the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit in you knows everything about everything. And he is the power that gives you everything that is needed so that you can represent a God just like Jesus to all the needed. So Father, I just bless every person, every husband, wife, life on mission, every child, every grandpa, every person when they wake up in the morning, realize that 100% of us, we're living a life on mission. And that we're going to receive the freshness of the Holy Spirit and all the gifts of the Spirit to be with us so that we can do everything that Jesus did. And he said even greater things. I just bless you with a clear vision and the provisions that follow to live life and to live love well. Just come, Holy Spirit. Find that resting place as we are saying thank you. That we're saying yes to a life on mission. In Jesus' name, amen. You are ordained and you're being sent. 
right now. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif Hetland on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com. Thank you.